0: As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Matthew Emmons was a guy in the Olympics back in 2004. He was a rifle marksman and specialist. And so he competed one of his events. It was called the 350-meter, 3M position shoot-off. And so it included these three positions. One, you would kneel down. The other one was prone, which that means you would be lying flat. And then the last one was that he was standing. And so going into the final round with the final shot, He had a three-point lead. All he had to do was hit the target, and he'd win a gold medal. I mean, that was it. Just hit the target, that's it. He aims, he shoots, he fires, he hits the target, which is unbelievable. He thinks to himself, yes, I've got it. All of a sudden, the ref signals that he misses it. And, and he's looking right at it and saying, well, 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 he didn't get a bullseye, but it was right in there. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I missed, and lo and behold, what happened is that he aimed, he shot, he fired, he hit the wrong target. He hit his competitor's target. He didn't hit his target, the one that he was supposed to hit, like this one right here. He hit the one next to it, which was his competitor's target, which dropped him to eighth place, and he lost the goal. Said all that to simply say this. Hear my heart. Some of us are aiming at the wrong target. We're aiming at the target when it comes to life. We're aiming at the wrong target when it comes especially to faith. And I'm telling you, it feels like we're in the bullseye and we're hitting it and we're celebrating and we're saying, yeah. But I want to slow down today and I want to ask you some questions about what are you aiming at? What are you hitting? And is it the right target, the one God desires? Hey, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. We're in a series. It's entitled Guilt-Free Christianity. We're talking about nine steps. Today's step number six. Today is a step that has to do everything with the right target. The Apostle Paul got out his pen. If you're joining us new, I want to welcome you. If you're here online and you haven't been here before, I'm just telling you, we're walking through the book of Galatians, paragraph by paragraph, sentence by sentence, word by word, And we've been identifying these nine steps. This step is all about a target. And the apostle Paul wrote this letter because they, the Galatians, were aiming at a different target. It was a target of works. It was a target of works righteousness. And Paul was saying, no, you gotta aim at the target of grace. And so I wanna give you five words today to keep you on the right target the target of grace, the target that Paul talks about in this letter, five simple words, so that we can be in the bullseye of God's grace, amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your goodness, thank you for your word, thank you for the truth of the matter that, Father, you wanna redirect us, you wanna move us, at times you wanna shake us, but you wanna get us moving in the right direction, taking a step towards you and your desires. I pray you would use this chapter. There's much here in these 31 verses. Use this chapter, encourage those of us that have been here before and to speak to us. And Lord, for those that haven't read through this book, may this series just be helpful as we desire to stay on target for you. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. Amen. First word is this, it's really remember. And so we need to remember who we are in Christ, sons and daughters of God. That is good news. Anybody with me? That's what we need to remember. We need to remember who we are, not who we think we were or who we were in the past, but who we are in the present right now. And what Paul does, this this letter is a challenging letter. This chapter is one of the more challenging ones. It can give you a hermeneutical headache if you're not careful. There's just a lot here. There's a lot of backdrop. Paul begins, and he begins by sharing an illustration. He compares the Galatian church to sons and daughters. He compares them to children. He compares them to slaves. Now, he's not comparing them to slaves because he's condoning slavery. The Bible never does. Take that out of your mind. He's just using that as an illustration because it was so prevalent in their day. So the reason he's saying this in the first seven verses, he's making this comparison because just like a child is under authority till they come to a certain age with their parents, and just like a slave is under the authority of its master, Paul's saying the people, they were under the authority of the law. And that's what he's talking about in verse three. He says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the law. Translation, you're aiming at the wrong target. You're going for the wrong thing right now. And so what he says in verse four, we'll put it up on the screen, look with me. He says, but when the fullness of time had come in, God sent forth his son. Anybody know his name? Can you give it to me? Jesus, Jesus. born of a woman, and that's Mary and born under the law they were aiming at a different target we looked at last week that paul talked about the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to the right place and then look what he says he says so that you would be redeemed those who are under the law so that you might receive adoption as sons that word redeem if we double click we've seen it a lot in this series It means to be brought back and bought back. I keep saying it every week. Brought back from death to life. Bought back. Bought back from slavery. Slavery to sin and unrighteousness. And Christ has redeemed us by his grace that that we're brought from death to life, that we no longer, what, have to be under the curse of the law that we can live by grace. Amen? Amen? And so that's why he says we've been adopted adopted his sons. Now some may think, why doesn't it say daughters? We covered this last week, but if you weren't with us, when it says sons for the original readers, those in Galatia, they looked at that and they knew they had a Jewish uh, dispensation because he was writing to many who had come out of Judaism and many Gentiles who were being forced to live under the rules of the Jewish people. And so when he says adopted his sons, for them, the sons were the only ones that would inherit the fullness of God's blessing. That was the custom of the day. we got to put on our sandals to understand that. But when we read it today, we can see sons and daughters because the sons and the daughters received the fullness of God's blessing. For them, it was just the sons. The girls, the women, they they didn't. They didn't receive the fullness, so that's why he makes it clear. So when they're reading it, it's like the fullness of God's blessing and what he desires, it's theirs. They've been redeemed. They've been adopted as sons and daughters of Christ. Again, so much here you could continue on, and what else do we get in this adoption? Well, you get the spirit of his son. That's an interesting way to put it. Paul writes spirit of his son. He's talking about God the Father sending his son Jesus. So here we see it in a unique way. We don't see it very often, the Holy Spirit referred to as the spirit of his son. It's a very interesting way Paul is saying it. He's making it clear that the Holy Spirit's role, just a little theology for a moment, Holy Spirit's role is not to bring attention to himself. Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He doesn't want to bring attention to him. He wants to bring attention to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's role is not to say, look at me. And we can be guilty too much of focusing on him and putting attention on him when he just wants to say, look at the sun. The Holy Spirit's role is to magnify the sun. That's why we have the Holy Spirit of God. We've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit in this series, that we receive the Holy Spirit upon conversion. What does the Holy Spirit enable us to do? Don't look at me, look at the verse. That cry out, Abba, Father. That we can cry out to God. Abba is an Aramaic term. It literally means daddy. It's a term that, the most intimate term that a child would use of their father. And that's how we cry out to God, the intimate father. Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave. Is that good news? Yes. We're not a slave to sin and unrighteousness. Man, we're, we're not a sin and a slave anymore. He says that what? That you're an heir through God. Hallelujah. An heir yes. is somebody who is being given something. Legally, you are being given, whether it's property or possessions. I remember when my father died in his estate, and I became an heir to his estate. I'm so thankful for the things that he left me, one of them being a 1986 Buick with low mileage. I drove, yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> I drove it till it was, there was nothing. But he also left, he left some funds for my kids that, that to this day, like, he was able, and he left us enough money to where it got them through college. I mean, he blessed us. I was an heir to his estate, which helped us to move forward and to help us experience things that we could not. Hey, don't start thinking about your heir to your estate, to your parents, and why didn't they give me this? Start thinking about this, you are an heir of God, that you've been adopted as his child. We have, as sons and daughters, the fullness of his blessing. That's what the right target brings. That's what Paul's trying to tell them, that they are heirs to God, that this is the right target, the gospel of grace. And again, don't misunderstand. They were just shooting at the wrong one. It was the right one for the season and for the time, but now he's like, no, man, go here right now. It's really about their identity. And so they were struggling with who they were in Christ. That's why I'm saying, remember your sons and daughters, You are no longer of this world, that you are sons and daughters of him. I'm telling you, man, I'm getting ready to burst at the seams from yesterday. Pastor Craig and I were at Stateville along with our team, and we put on a service at Stateville. Pastor Rodney and several other, the volunteers, the teams, what you don't know or maybe haven't realized is every single week we do a service at Stateville Prison. Is that awesome? And this is the first time we were able to gather together with a large event, and we were able to take pictures and photos and take, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, video. video, very good, thank you for the person who took video. <laughs> he was there, and well, don't you have a video yet? Next week, but, but I got some pictures, it's so awesome. So we, you weren't able to see what we've been seeing and what God's been doing for the last two years because of our investment in Limitless. This was one of our initiatives. Man, we had over 150 people at the service. Can we praise the Lord? 150 people. We had had 15 baptisms. I mean, just amazing. One of the guys said, and you can see some of the pictures on the screen. One of the guys said that he'd been waiting to be baptized for 15 years. I mean, it was incredible. It was just the experience, and the gospel was shared. And so we're excited to do more outreach events like this. We've got some pictures. We'll go to the one here um, with this gentleman that we prayed over. His name is James, and that's Pastor Rodney. And his, um, his mother is in the hospital, and she's dying, and she's right here locally. And so he gave me the number of his cousin, who I said we would call, and we're gonna call her, and we're gonna to go to the hospital and visit. Are you seeing that there's opportunities we have to minister for them to their families? That's one of the really cool things that God is doing. So we're gonna be doing that. Let me introduce you to another guy. His name is Slim. <laughs> and so he's very slim and very tall, and he, he's been in there for 38 years. And he told me a story of Pastor Rodney who leads our location. When Pastor Rodney was in prison, he was in prison with him. And he told me about, you don't know your pastor here, but we really respect him and I gotta tell you why, because he's one of us. And then he told me about how back years ago when Rodney was there, 25 years ago, that there was a line of people that what they did was they were preventing people from going to a chapel or to a Bible study. There was gangs and prisoners, and you know Rodney? He bust through the line. That's, what, that's the guy we got leading this thing. So we gotta continue. Yeah, praise the Lord. We gotta continue to pray that we would bust through. And so what I want you to see is their identity in Christ is the same as ours. That they can wrestle with their past and their past decisions and all these things, and so can we but we are no longer slaves to sin and unrighteousness, amen? We are children of God. Let's put up this graphic really quickly, please. If we can just put this up. This is our identity in Christ. And so you've been chosen. Remember, you've been accepted. That's what we taught yesterday. Remember, you've been forgiven, you've been blessed, you've been redeemed, you've been loved, you've been adopted, you are victorious, you are in the center of God's bullseye of his love because of who Jesus is, of because what the gospel brings. Remember who you are in Christ. That's the first word, remember. Second word, it kinda goes along, we gotta reflect. So if we're gonna remember who we are, we gotta reflect, and I've been dancing around it, we gotta reflect on who we were in the flesh, that we were slaves to sin and unrighteousness. And so that's where Paul goes next in this chapter. These 31 verses, look with me. We're going to dig into some of the verses, not all of them, but look with me on the screen at what Paul says. If you can look at verse 8, please. He says, formerly, when you did not know God, think in your own mind when you didn't know him, when you didn't know about him, when you didn't understand him. Maybe you grew up in a home that preached about him or talked about him or told you, but there was that time when you came to know him for yourself. Hey, remember when you didn't know him, you were enslaved to those by nature that are not gods. He's simply saying, You had some people leading you that were leading you to the small G God, not the big G, capital G God. And then he says that that what? But, but now, like, don't forget, like, be in the right spot. Now you you know him. You have come to know God through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He went to the cross to die for you. And so the gospel is the truth, the good news, that Jesus took our sin, our shame, and our suffering, and he brought it all upon himself so that we could have new life. Remember your sons and daughters, but reflect on the cost that Jesus had to give his life for you to be declared holy and righteous. That's what Paul's teaching and so he says this, he says, after all that, hey, hey, don't, don't turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. This is my heart's cry. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't turn back again. You've heard the phrase, two steps up, one step back. Anybody ever heard that phrase? It's like, what does it mean? I, I'm, I'm moving in a good direction, but I seem to always be sliding Backwards. And so I'm not taking the ground that I could take. Paul's saying, you guys went 20 steps up and you just went 50 steps backward. That's what he's saying. You were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world, man. They had a captive and now the jail cell is open and you're going back into the cell. How, why? Well, he makes it very specific. And again, if you're just joining us. Man, this is a, a tough letter, because, but, but it's a helpful letter because we don't have to struggle with guilt because we're not trying to please God by our works. It's not about what we do, it's about what Christ has done. And so that's what the whole letter is about. And so when we say guilt-free, we don't have to be ridden with guilt for what we must do for God because God's already done it in Christ. And so that's why Paul says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. See, the Judaizers, these were the ones that were coming in and they were teaching them false doctrine. They're like, you guys aren't aiming at the right target. you got to aim over here. And they're saying all these festivals and these things that you can't keep track of, the 613 commands in the Old Testament, that's what you need to do as well as follow Christ. And that's what he was saying. And can we understand that's the wrong target? Yes. It's it just, it, it, he's making it very clear. And then, to make it worse, like 613 laws of do this and don't do this isn't enough. Then they would put oral tradition on top of it. And so oral tradition, hundreds of other things. And so on the Sabbath, if your pet dog spot fell in a hole, you couldn't get your pet dog spot out. Why? Well, because it would be work. If you looked in the mirror and thought to yourself, oh, I'm going a little gray, which I'm not. <laughs> and you wanted to pluck it out. You couldn't do it because it was work. So thankful I plucked out a lot of them today. <laughs> but seriously, isn't it true that like, they were putting these, under these burdens? You say, but that doesn't relate to us. Uh, I don't know. I think it does. There's a difference, this might be worthy of writing down, there's a difference between a biblical conviction and a personal conviction. Biblical, personal. Biblical conviction is you can turn to a chapter and verse and it's as clear as day. It's right there, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie. Hey, you know what, do not get drunk. I mean, it's right there. Like, like it's all. A personal conviction is that something the Lord's led me to do as I am being led by the Holy Spirit, you know what, I just don't want to do that. I'm gonna abstain from that. The Bible doesn't say I have to, but I'm going to because it's best for me. A personal conviction is something the Lord's leading you to do. And where we get into trouble is we make my personal conviction your biblical conviction. Now are you seeing it? Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Let's just think of an example. It's October. Halloween. Well, you know what? And did you know where it came from? And did you know this? Please don't write me an email. I'm begging you. I've got a whole bunch of them I know, and I know the history, and I know this, and I know that. But some people want to abstain, go for it. Other people want to use it as a gospel opportunity, go for it. I mean, are we seeing the difference? No, yes. Let me provide further clarity. I remember when we were going to a church, Jody and I, and we were brand new believers, and we didn't understand the difference between biblical convictions and personal convictions. And somebody was driving their personal conviction into a biblical conviction. And so we're like, okay, we're new believers. We don't know what we're doing. No, we're we're not gonna celebrate Halloween. So honey, put away the pumpkins, put away the stuff. I mean, especially if a person from our church drives by, we're gonna be in trouble. Get rid of all that stuff. And so we decided Allie was really small, And we're like, we're not gonna celebrate this because I guess it's wrong. And and so I get a call at work, it's three o'clock on October 31st, and Jody says to me, she says, Ron, I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, what? I'm thinking, what's the house on fire? What's happening here? And she's like, Allie's looking out her bedroom window, and she's asking me the question, Miss Janie, our next-door neighbor, is giving away free candy, and why can't she go get some? She's like, what am I supposed to tell her? And so I'm just like, I literally got in my car. I was 10 minutes from church. I got in my car, I got home. I told Jody on the phone, I said, listen, put her in something that's not evil, but something that's cute. And I took her by the arm and we took her to Miss Janie's and I took her down the street and she got her fair share of candy and I got my fair share too. There's a difference (laughs) between biblical and personal conviction. And so Paul's saying this, man, we got to remember who we are, sons and daughters in Christ living by grace, but we also reflect on who we were. And we don't want to fall in those traps, and we don't want to be judgmental of others who have convictions that I celebrate the personal convictions that people have. It's an awesome thing. You're going to abstain totally from that. You're not going to do this. You're going to choose to do this. Third word. Good stuff so far? Yeah. Third word is this. Reflect. That's the second word. I thought that was the second word, but anybody, I mean, it may be. Okay, the third word is um, reinvest. And so this is really important. We're going to slow down, and I want to I get you through because there's a lot in this chapter. And so reinvest in relationships that grow you, mature others, and build the kingdom. That's what we need to do. And so what we're kind of, it's almost like the backdrop. If you read, when you read through this letter, and I would challenge you, just read through it once in its entirety. And I know it can get a little difficult, but but just read through all of it to get Paul's heart. And you're gonna see Paul's heart for the people. He's grieved by the people and what they're doing. And so in this section now, we see his heart in verses 12 through 20. And I would suggest to you that there's three conversations that I see that Paul had with the Galatians who he loved and they're conversations that you and I can have with each other because we love each other. We want to grow. We want to mature. We want to build the kingdom. And so the three conversations, we're going to start with the first one, is spiritual conversations. We're just having a lot of issues right now. First one is this. Paul says, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first, and through my condition was a trial to you. So Paul had a bodily ailment. We don't know exactly what it was. Some suggest that maybe it was poor eyesight. Some would go as far as saying it was epilepsy. We don't know. He had something that was like, ooh, what's up with that guy? And and, and it didn't hinder him from sharing the gospel. It didn't hinder the people from embracing the gospel. That's what he's saying. Hey, you didn't scorn me, you didn't despise me, you didn't look at me like I was some kind of fool or something because of this condition that I had. He said, but you received me as an angel of God, why? Because he was speaking truth, man. He was bringing water to a parched people. That's what Paul was doing. And so we need to begin with spiritual conversations across the fence, across the queue, That the opportunities that we have, and not to jump in with the whole thing, but to just take a step back. And I've learned to just ask the question to people that I know, how's your faith going? What's your background at church? Like just to open up and have spiritual conversations so that we can insert the gospel. Second kind of conversation we see modeled right here in the text, Paul gives challenging conversations. And I'd argue this letter is, it is a challenging conversation. I mean, Paul's got both barrels. He's shooting at them and he's saying, come on guys, get, get aimed. You, 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 I left you for a bit and you're aiming at the wrong place. And and so it's a challenging conversation. Look what he says. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? How many people have ever been in a challenging conversation? some, you know, you may think I love those. I don't like them. Like, nobody likes to just dive in. And like, like, we avoid these conversations. And Paul's like, he's teaching us, you know, who do you need to talk to this week? Maybe it's a challenging conversation with your child that you've been putting off, or a business partner, or someone at work. Like, we gotta go after it. I, I remember when I got sat down um, by my pastor when I was, um, he was my boss too. That always makes it extremely complicated. And so he sat me down and he brought two other pastors in. And so they're all looking at me and and then they started going at it. And I gotta just be honest, I I was not happy. I didn't think they were right. I think, I I know they got some facts wrong. I, I don't think they were as sensitive as they could be. It wasn't packaged up really nice. I mean, they didn't have all the details. You got that wrong. That's not exactly what happened. But I didn't do all that, and and I just heard it. And I'm better, I walked out better as a result of hearing, listening, and learning that God used a difficult situation. God used what came across bad for my good. Anybody ever been there? Anybody? Yes. I mean, we just we, we got we can't shy away from these conversations. Third thing, encouraging conversations. And the apostle Paul he 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 says it to them. Look at his encouragement in verses 15 and 16. He says, My little children, like, like he that's how he thinks of them. He thinks of them like a dad to their his sons and his daughters. And he says, From whom I against in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Like, he believes that God is at work in their life. And that's an interesting phrase. He's saying, God started, he started to work. And and I gotta encourage you, that God's gonna complete it. He's in you, he's forming you, he's moving. But then I love how he ends it. He says, but I'm perplexed about you. (laughs) I'm just a little worried. But these, now let's put up that slide. These are the three conversations that, that we need to have with people. These are the conversations that, that can be helpful. And so let me ask you, which of these conversations do you need to have this week with who? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. What, which conversation do you need to have and with who tomorrow, by the end of the week? Or, or better yet, what conversation does somebody you know and love Maybe they're sitting in the row next to you. What, what, what conversation do they need to have with you? I mean, we just got to be open to God's Spirit as He moves. Amen? Amen. We got to remember that we're sons and daughters of Christ. We got to reflect on who we were in the flesh. We got to reinvest in the relationships here in the church that can help us to grow and to mature and to help others and to expand his kingdom. And let me take a side note here for a moment. And let me remind you, because as things change and as, as oh, what happened to them? I, community. Everybody is looking for community. I mean, people are looking for it. I can find it at my health club with my spin class and the 40 ladies and me. It's embarrassing, yes, and there's a couple of you in here right now. And, and the, everybody's looking to find community. Community isn't found. You don't just stumble upon community and find it. Community is built. Community is built over time. Community is built in the challenges. Community is built in the ministry. Community is built as we take ground for the gospel of Christ. Community is built in our families in our relationships as we do something together to glorify God. That's community. And so please, it's just, and we can find community here, there, and everywhere. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying, let's have the conversations to grow each other so that we can encourage, we can challenge and we can have spiritual conversations that edify. Two more words or just one? Two more, right? Okay, so the next one, let's see if I can remember it. Rest, oh yes, Lord help me. Just read the next chapter for a minute and I'm just gonna sit here while I recuperate. I- I'm kidding, but-, but we gotta rest. And so what are we to rest in? We're just not to rest in ourselves and what we've done. We're to rest in what God's done. We're to rest in what God continues to do. We're to rest in what God wants to do. And so now this part of the letter gets extremely challenging. And so if you look in in maybe at the heading of yours, it it says Hagar and Sarah like in mine. And, And so Paul's gotta tell them because maybe you didn't grow up in church like me and you don't know all the backdrop stories, but they did. And so Paul, you have to have as the backdrop Genesis chapter 12. And so Genesis 12, Abraham received the promise. Anybody remember that? And so the promise was to build a nation. And God said, as many as the stars in the sky, as much as the sand on the seashore, that's the number of people. But then, warning, 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 Abraham took matters into his own hands. And he and Sarah, this is the part we often forget. Him, Sarah, they did what? They took matters into their own hands, and they said, well, I, you know, I'm 90 years old. I can't have a kid. You go have a kid through my servant, Hagar. Just not a really good conversation. Can't imagine that for one second. But they did it, and they agreed. And isn't it true that when we don't rest in God's promises and trust in him by faith, and we rush things, that we get ourselves in the same kind of mess? Anybody? Don't leave me sitting up here. All of us do. And so there's two nations that are talked about in the text that Paul talks about next. There's two tribes, if you will. And so there's Hagar, which he says right in the text, he says it's allegorically, and he's using it as an example. And so what he's saying is he's saying Sarah is the, 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 the woman of promise, and she's the one that's right on target, the spirit of the Lord and, and the new covenant. And then he goes on and he says, Hagar, and Paul says this, I'm not. He's saying this theology that, that there's another target here, and, and that's Hagar, and, and that's the law. And in in Galatians chapter 3, we law, learned that, that the law, this target, it, it brings us to this one. And and so Paul explains all that right here in the text. And so why is he doing it? He's just making it simple. Let me make it simple. Some pastors like to make things complicated. I like to make it really simple. Which target are you shooting at? Are you targeting the target that is about what you must do and is about the law and is about what? It produces guilt and fear. Or are you shooting at this one? That's what he's saying. You just got to make the choice. And, and so he's like, guys, you're, you gotta, we got to get your all back on track. And so let me quickly, I'm going to give you four arrows that are in the center of this target. I love this part. I'm not going to skip it. i got to get out of here to go over to Wheaton, but I'm not skipping the Four arrows in the center. The first one is this. It's arrow number one is Jesus is our Passover. And so for them, stumped in the Jewish tradition and those that are brought up through the law, it's like, no, Jesus is our Passover. He's our He's the lamb of God. We used to have to make sacrifices for all kinds of things. He's the one, the only, the final sacrifice. His blood was shed. There's no forgiveness of sin, Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood. Jesus's blood has been shed once and for all. Amen? Amen. That's what he's saying. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Arrow number two, Jesus fulfills the law. So, It's really important to understand these two targets. Like, It's not that one is better than the other, it's one brought us to the other. And so what Paul is saying is, he's saying Christ is the end of the law. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, he came to fulfill it. Third arrow, are you excited about these as me? This is good stuff, man. Jesus gives freedom. That's what he gives. I was at Stateful yesterday, these guys are talking about the freedom that they have in a cell because of Jesus. Some of us are still living in bondage. And, and so there, there, these, the new moons, the festivals, the Sabbaths, all these laws, all these things that brought us to Christ, they're a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So much theology here. Next one. I love this one. Arrow number four. Everything. Say everything. Everything's made holy through the word of God and prayer. I love this. For everything God created was good, and nothing is to be rejected. It is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God, by God's word and prayer, even October 31st. That what? That that by God's word and prayer that, that everything is made holy, that we have the opportunity to redeem things. That's what the scripture says. Lastly, let's call up the worship team. And we're going to end. If you've noticed in the series, they're all called reflective closes. So we just have a time for you to reflect on what's been taught, not what I've said, but what God's speaking to you. And so the same thing's going to happen. So the worship team's going to come up. They're going to start singing. I got to give you one more word. And then what you do is, before you jump up and and get out of here, You've you, you got to think about what's the Lord saying to me? And then once the worship team begins uh, singing and you spend some time with the Lord, then, then you're able to rise up and in a sign of solidarity and unity that we're proclaiming who Jesus is, what he's done, and worship him. Make sense? Fifth word. You say it, not me. You said it, not me. What's it means? It means I got to give everything over to the Lord. It means to agree with God that what, I, what, what he thinks is right, to agree with God that what he says in his word is true. It has an aspect of a 180-degree turn that I'm going in this direction, and now I need to turn and go in the other direction. And so I'm trusting that God's going to just speak to your heart. Which target are you moving towards? What do you need to adjust? Where have you been heading? Because Paul says, let's go to the verse, verse 31. He just says it simply. So brothers, we're not children of the slave. Praise the Lord. We're not children of slave. We're, we're, we're children of the free woman. The gospel of grace. That's what we're about. And so let me close before you have some time with the Lord. And we'll put a picture up. This is Matthew Emmons. And he's the guy I talked about at the beginning. That was his first Olympics. He would go on to compete in three more Olympics. Interesting story, it's fascinating. Somebody sabotaged his gun and he borrowed a gun and won the gold. He won gold, he won silver, he won bronze. He's one of the greatest marksmen in our US history if you look at the Olympics and what he's accomplished. But I'll tell you this, you know what he never did again? He never shot and hit the wrong target. He never did it. He, he got focused and he got moving and he was keyed on the right target. And so that's what I want for you. And so in a moment, the, the words are gonna come up on the screen. And, and so which of those words is God pressing in your heart through his Holy Spirit? And, 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 and are they on tar- how are they gonna get you in the center The bullseye of God's grace and God's love. Take a moment, bow your heads, respond as the Lord leads.